Come on, if you love Jesus, say yes. God is good all the time. Hallelujah. I want to share something that has been in my heart for a while. Um, when the whole corona thing started, uh, or the lockdown, or whatever you call it, um, we were gathering every morning for prayer and praying here at church. And, you know, when, when those kind of moments happen, you, you wait and you want to feel what is the Holy Spirit trying to say. And I believe that this is what the Holy Spirit told me. It was the word, the word from Revelation. And um, since it's been already three months but I still read the same chapter over and over and over. And every time when, when, when you read it, you find something new, you find something fresh, and that's one of the signs when the Holy Spirit begins to reveal the Word. So if you have your Bible, please go with me to Revelation chapter 21. Chapter 21, verse 5. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. You know, we, we are probably um, one of those generations that are filled with so much information. You, you literally hold a ton of information in your pocket. It's, you have Google, you have uh, Facebook, you have Twitter, you have Instagram, uh, what else, uh, CNN, Fox, everything you carry in your pocket. And it's filled with information, and each information has their own perspective. They have their own angle. And the sad thing sometimes that we often too quick to begin to believe what we read, what we saw, who posted what, if that person is very respectful and we see he's posting something and we're so quick to begin to believe what he had to say. But here we find this scripture where it says, then who sat on the throne, he said. And he's not just just the person who is have good authority no he has that all authority is given to him every tongue and every knee will confess and bow before jesus he's the one who who overcame the devil he's the one who put to shame the devil and he is the one who sits on the throne and he's saying something that we as a church should be very careful to hear what he's saying to us and this is what he's saying. He's saying that I make all things new. I make all things new. And sometimes we're so caught up with, with the idea of going back and, and to the same thing that we had three, four months ago. But this is the one who sits on the throne. The throne that will never be shaken. The throne that will always have victory. The throne that will always reign. He is saying that I make all things new. 
that's including you in your life, he still makes things new. He has ability to create things like he was creating in the beginning. He has the same ability to create things in your life the way he was creating in the beginning. Sometimes it's so easy for us to believe that God is able to, he did create this universe, he created humanity, he created everything that we see, but sometimes it's so hard to believe that he's able to create something in my life and it will become something beautiful. But it's the same God that we serve, he's able to create. You might say, well, everything is being the same and same and same and same. No, he is sitting on the throne and he's declaring that I am make all things new. Amen. He makes things new. You know, you maybe, you maybe read the whole Bible. Maybe you know the whole Bible. Maybe you, you keep on reading the same verses and they just as the information. But listen, when, when he begins to touch Something begins to boil in your spirit and you begin to feel that this is something new. This is a fresh wind. This is something good. Why? Because he is the one who's creating those things. Sometimes you're walking around, you have no desire to pray, you have no desire to serve, you have no desire. And then he begins to create something. And you had no desire, but suddenly you begin to have this desire. And it's him who's creating all things new. You maybe never, never experienced that, but he wants you to follow that, that something new that he's beginning to create. And I believe with all my heart that everything that we had before, it is awesome. It was good. We had awesome experiences with God. We had awesome revelations, but that's not something that we should live by. You know, every revelation, every victory that we had in the past that should help us to overcome a new mountains. You know, when David was facing Goliath and he said, I know that I can conquer him. I can do it. And King Saul says, why are you so confident? He says, it's because God was been with me when I was being a shepherd. When the lion came, I overcame. When the bear came, I overcame. Those victories that he had helped him to stand and believe for the new victory that he was about to get. There's something new that is coming to us and sometimes we're, we're so attached to the old things that we had, the old experiences, the old encounters with God. We're so attached to it. But God wants us to release it and believe for something new. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. And he said to me, Write, for those words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of water of life freely to him who is thirst. You know, the thirst for God is something, something beautiful that we can have. Jesus says, blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty 
for the righteousness because it will be given to them. It's, a, it's impossible to, to be in, a, in something new that God is creating without having that desire. Or we call it here, we see it, it's called thirst. It's the desire that pushes us and makes us go into a place we've never been before. Just because I can attend a good church, just because I can be in the movement, but if there is no desire, if there is no thirst, I could stay exactly the same the way I came in. It's the thirst and the desire that makes us experience things that we never experienced before. That's why Jesus says, blessed are those. Why? Because they will inherit things that they never had before. Jesus says, he who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst again. That, that thirst or desire that we should all have, it will help us to move on. Again, Jesus says, on the last day, that great day of feast, Jesus stood and he cried out, saying, If anyone who is thirst, let him come to me and drink. And then he continues, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Again, it's, it's the thirst that, that, that moves us in a place where we begin to believe, that we begin to have faith. It's the hunger for him. And it's the thirst that he's talking about here. He says, if, if they will come to me and if they will begin to drink out of their heart, the rivers will flow. And I think that this, this world that we live in right now, they're, they're so desperate. They're not, they're not desperate for, for the good theology, for the do, good doctrine, how you explain things no they simply are desperate for a living water that can all christians should have when you face a problem when we face someone when you begin to contact with someone and you feel that they're desperate and god begins to release a river from your heart and you begin to share that river and a person begins to experience a life in them everything everything that you touch it becomes alive why because you are filled with that life and it can only be blown or, or flowing out of you when you are thirsty for Him. See, sometimes we are, we are acknowledging that we need Him more. But we're not doing anything. Sometimes we realize only during, during the worship set when there's a good song about how we need Him and it touches our feelings and we, we begin to lift our hands, we begin to say things, but the moment we leave this building, we go back to our old life, to the old routine, to the old business. But here's what the hunger and thirst does. It will push you into a place you've never been before. 
You would only want to talk about him. You would only want to have him. You would only have encounters with him. You would never want to go back to the old thing. Well, it's, it's, it's moving you. It's the thirst that moves us. Let's continue. Verse 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. You know, if we go to Revelation first chapters we will see the promises that God gives to those who overcome and he says those who overcome I will write their name in the temple those who overcome I will put them on the throne those who overcome I will make them like a, a, a pillar in the temple those who overcome I will give them authority and all those promises are great but this in this verse he says those who overcome inherit all things and it's and it's not just the partial thing but it, it everything that God accomplished on, on Calvary it belongs to you because you are overcomer you are overcomer and everything that he accomplished it belongs to you not just some little part no everything he says everything you know if you check Greek Hebrew what that word means, everything, it will mean everything. Everything that he did, it belongs to the church. To those who overcome. But here's the, here's the thing. See, our perspective on those who are overcomers and God's perspective is different. And I believe that we as a church, we should have the same perspective that God has a perspective on overcomers. See, if we look in the New Testament when the young man comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what should I do to be saved? And Jesus tells him, okay, go and do this, this, this. Fulfill the law. And the young man says, well, I've been doing this since I was a child. Jesus says, great, awesome. But one thing you're missing. One thing is that you need to go sell all your possession, come Pick up your cross and follow me. Now Jesus gives him a very, very simple formula to become an overcomer. His victory was in this formula. He should go sell all the possession to be detached what he had. Come to Jesus, pick up his cross and begin to follow him. See, Apostle Paul says, just the way you received Christ... It's awesome to receive Christ, but he continues and he says, continue to walk with him. See, Jesus offers this young man this, this formula of victory. Because he sees the potential that this young man has. But for this potential to be exposed, he had to sell it, take his cross, and begin to follow in the eyes of disciples, it was, a, it was a confusion. They're literally, their brains are exploding. Why? Because, because he's been such a perfect young man. 
and God blessed him. Why? Because if you look in the Old Testament, the blessing of God was always in physical things that we see. And that's why when Jesus says it is hard for a rich man to, to enter to heaven. You're like, how? then who can be saved if this young man, he lived such a perfect life. He did this and this and this and this. And he's blessed and it's hard for him to enter. And Jesus says, yes, for a man, it's impossible. But for God, all things are possible. Another scripture I want to read is James. You know, the um, Apostle James writes, uh, to church in Jerusalem, and he noticed, he noticed certain things. James 2, 5. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who loved him? Okay, so James saying, listen, in, in, in the full um, content, the church has had an issue, and the issue was this, that if they would see a rich man entering the building, they would prepare for him a, a red carpet, seats number one, and they would tell the poor people, you guys can go and just, just hang out in the back, just sit in the back, don't, don't ruin the atmosphere. We have such important people here, they're rich, they they're smell good, and we don't want you near by them. So please just hang out in the back. And that's the content James says. He says, don't you know that God chose the poor to be rich with faith? Why is it? Because, see, it's, it's a natural thing for the rich man to rely on his wealth. But for the poor people to cry out to him all the time. That's why he, Apostle James says he chose them to be rich with faith. Now, I'm not saying that if you're rich, you are not saved. What I'm saying that if, if you're rich and you're relying on your wealth, that's the problem. Because everything that we have, even if, if, even if we have wealth, we still rely on Him. Because He is the source. Okay, so now we begin to see that this thing, faith, comes on the surface. And we begin to, uh, let's read couple more verses. Um, John, 1 John 5. Verse 4. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcame the world. Our faith. You can underline in your Bible the, this, this word, our faith. Our faith overcomes the world. It's not what you have in this world. 
It's what you have inside. Your faith overcomes the world. Not your parents' faith, not church faith, not your denomination faith. It's your faith that will overcome this world. Your faith. You can't rely on someone else's faith. It's your faith that has to be inactive that will overcome the world. Now, Apostle John speaks here not just about faith. No, he's speaking about living faith. Okay? James, I'll read again. You don't have to open it. James, same chapter, verse 26. He says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. So, Apostle James speaking that faith that we should have, it's not only when we wear a cross and we think we belong somewhere. No, he's talking about faith that is alive. Faith that is alive. And that faith belongs only to those who overcome the world. Apostle John says, Who is he who overcomes the world? Again, Apostle John. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. See, it is impossible to believe who Jesus is, what he's done for you, and remain in the same lifestyle. It is impossible. That's what we hear all the time. It's, it's, but Apostle Paul says it is possible. It is possible to hear the word, receive the word, but nothing, your life doesn't change. So that's why in, in Romans chapter 12, when Apostle Paul lays down the gospel, he, he says, now brothers, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Now, every believer should come to a place when he received the revelation, we, when he acknowledged what he's done for us, when he believed, when he confessed, there's, there's a step of your faith when you begin to have a living faith. It's you begin to presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. Apostle Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15 2, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. See, if, if I will hold fast the word of God and everything that he accomplished, there will always be a living faith in my life. And the living faith will always represent me sacrificing my life for the kingdom. Me picking up the cross. Me dying for myself. It's when I receive the word, not in vain. Continues, Apostle Paul says, but... By the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. 
Again, Apostle Paul says, that grace of God in my life was not in vain because I began to do something and I labored a lot more than everybody else, but not me, but the grace of God. See, Apostle Paul knew how to release the grace of God in his life. How to present himself as the living sacrifice. And then he looks back and he says, this is what I accomplished. But it wasn't me. It was the grace of God. And it was the only reason because I received the word not in vain. Not in vain. So he warns the church and he says, he says, do not. Let the, the word be in vain. Revelation 12, 2. And they overcome him. We already heard this scripture today. And they overcome him by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony. Powerful. And they did not live their, and they did not love their lives to the death. Here's the part we sometimes don't like. We love the part that they overcame. We love it. We love the part that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and their testimony. But we don't like this part when it says, and they didn't love their life until death. But I think in the full content, this is. This what belongs to those who overcome. When, when we're not just happy with what he's done for us, but we're also laying down our life. Romans 8, 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. Those are the sons of God. In Revelation, it's one of the promises. He says, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Sometimes we, we're so caught up with that we just need to realize how much he loves us, that the Father loved, the, 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 and it's awesome. But... I will never become a son. I will remain a child if I will not learn to walk in obedience of a Holy Spirit. Because he says those who led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. For me to become a son of God, I should allow the Holy Spirit to not just whisper to my ear, but actually allow the Holy Spirit to lead me. And that involves my obedience. That involves my obedience, not only faith, but action in obedience. So I believe, I confess, but I also obey. I also obey, and I become from a child that just believing, I'm becoming a son of God. Why? Because he's becoming a God in my life. Because in Revelation, he says, I will be his God, and he will be my son. See, sometimes we want him to be our God, our Father, our loving, but no, He wants to be our God. He wants to be in control of everything that we have. 
everything that you possess, everything that you plan to possess, everything that you dream, He wants to be in control of our life. And He says, I will be His God and He will be my son. That's one of the best promises that we can find in the scripture for those who overcome. For those who are led by the Spirit, for those who allow the Spirit to lead them and they become maturity, they become, they, they grow into maturity and they become the sons of God. Hebrews uh, chapter 11, if we, if we read this chapter, we will find those beautiful stories of people of faith. This chapter called the chapter of faith. And when we begin to read all those stories, we will find all those people, the Bible called them people of faith, will find this simple thing that they were simply obedient. God says to Abraham, bring your son as a sacrifice. Abraham says, okay. And he simply goes and obeys. He didn't stay and say, God, I believe that this is you speaking to me. I believe I received the word and he stays the same. No. He believed and he began to be obedient. And when you, we read all those stories, we will find the simple thing that there were simply was obedient to the word. Simply obedient. And this is what Hebrews says. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call, to call their God, for, to be called their God. For he was, for he has prepared a city for them. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For one reason, it's because they were obedient to his whisper. Not just received the word, not just stayed where they at, but they were obedient to receive the word. We're going to pray soon. I want us, I want to remind couple stories. Number one, um, that we find in Exodus. Exodus, when, when God finds Moses in the desert. Moses already ran away from his dream. Moses staying in the desert. It's been 40 years that he's, he's being a shepherd. And God comes to Moses and he says, Moses, I heard, he says, he says, I heard my people cry. He says, I see how they suffer. And number three, he says, and I, I'm coming down to deliver my people. See, we live in a world and we think God does, has nothing to do this, with this world. But I want to say that God is in control. Everything that's happening, He is in control. He sees it. He hears it. And he will deliver. And he says, Moses, this is, this is the plan. I'm, I'm coming down to deliver. You know, and then he says, and now Moses, you go and set, let my people out because I'm sending you. See, everything that we find in the scripture, all the promises that God gave us, he wants his church to be a part of it. Everything that he's prepared for the last revival, he wants the church to be involved in it. 
He, not, and when we speak about church, it's, it's, it sounds, okay, very, very spiritual. But no, he wants you to be involved in it. He wants me to be involved in it. Everything that he wants to do and he will do are great things in the last days. Why? Because he is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He wrote the story completely. He knows what he's going to do and he wants you to be a part of it. He wants me to be a part of it. And he says, Moses, I want you to go. You know, Moses could have said, God, but you had this awesome vision. You had this awesome plan. Why don't you just go and, and do it? Because I tried once. It didn't work. God says, no, you will go and do it because I'm sending you. See, when... When we carry things that God placed in our heart, and maybe it's been a season, a dry season, we find ourselves in the desert. But here's something I want to tell you, that God is still in control. He sees your heart. He sees your desire. He knows your, everything that you are going through. And maybe you already laid down your calling and you said, you know what? It's been too long that I tried. It's been too long that I felt God. It's been too long. But God wants to, you to know that He's coming down and He wants you to be a part of what He's going to be doing. Even if you are being in a dry season, even if you didn't feel Him recently, but He's still there. He's still in control and He will do a great things and He wants you to be a part of it. He wants us to be a part of it, something great and new that he will be doing. You know the story of paralyzed man laying by the, by the pool in Bethesda? 38 years being paralyzed. Paralyzed man is always depending on someone. Even, even he himself said, when Jesus said, do you want to be healed? He says, yes, but I don't have anyone that will drop me into this pool when it's bubbling the water. I've been watching those movements. I've been seeing those movements. See this paralyzed man, he was relying on someone. You know, sometimes we are in this place that we, we got comfortable to rely on someone. We got comfortable and we're waiting for someone to give us a revelation. We're waiting for someone to deliver a good message. We're waiting for someone that will come and stir that water and we will be jumping into that pool and feeling God's, God's presence. We're waiting for someone, but that's what paralyzed people do. But Jesus coming and He says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be a person who will not that will not depend on someone else's revelation. Do you want to be a person that will carry what I place in you? Do you want to be a person that will have fresh encounters with me? Do you want to be a person that will not wait for your best song, but you will have encounter with me right away? Why? Because you are walking with me. You are you're not just received me, but you're still walking with me through your obedience. Do you want to be that person? Yes, Lord, but I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for someone. Yes, Lord, but I don't have anyone in my life. And we stop it there. Revelation, it says that I'm, I'm standing by the door and I'm knocking. If anyone can open the door, I will come in.
See, Jesus will never force something on you. He's simply standing by the door and he's knocking. Will you open that door? See, we can, we can lay down by that pool and wait for another, another movement. We can, we can wait for something happen again. We can wait for someone to be there for us. Or we can simply say, yes, Lord. Yes. Why? Because He is the one, the source of healing. He is the one that has every breakthrough. He is the one who has every healing. He is the one. He's standing next to the church and He's saying, do you want to be healed? Do you want to walk in the fullness that I have for you? Yes, those are good moments, but he's saying, I make all things new. I make all things new. It could be the same song, but when the Holy Spirit begins to touch your heart, you begin to lift your heart, you begin to lift your hands, and you begin to feel something new that you never experienced be before. Why? Because He is the one who's able to change everything in our life. He's the one who's able to create new things. He is the one who's able to create a new heart. David says, Lord, he didn't pray, Lord, change my heart. He prayed, Lord, create a new heart in me. God is not in the business restoring our flesh. He's in the business of creating a new heart in us. He's always doing something new. He's always doing something fresh and he wants his church to be aware of it and, and be, be thirsty for it. He wants His church to not only believe, He wants His church to walk in obedience that will have the living faith and be full of victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we all stand? same way Apostle Paul says in the same way just as you received Christ continue continue to walk with him don't stop continue to walk with him there's more there's more what we had before it was it was good but there's more there's more Bible says that he gives his spirit without measure there's no measure when it comes to his spirit when it comes to experiences with God encounters with God uh, moments with God there is no measure you can't say well I've done it I tasted it and I don't want it anymore no there's 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 always more there's always new and for me to be in a season when God creates new things I should have a thirst for it I should have that desire that we call a desire that that will push me that will make me do things that I never done before desire that will make me pray more desire that will make me read more desire that will that will make me praise harder desire that will make me follow him more more committed why because I am thirsty for him and he says those who are thirsty the scripture says the rivers 
of living water will begin to flow. The rivers of living water. See, there's God is not only one a little, little tiny river flowing from you. No, He wants a rivers that will that you will contain, possess those river inside of your spirit. It's it's there, but the only requirement is for us to be thirsty for it. And He says, "Yes, I'm standing by the door and I'm knocking." If if anyone can open that door. You might say, well, I've done it 20 years ago. I confess Him as my Lord and Savior. But if you find yourself in a dry season, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to say, Lord, it's been a while. It's been a while when I, when I hurt anything, when I, when I relied too many years for, on someone else. When I relied on the worship team, when I relied on the pastor, when I relied on leaders, when I relied on the church, when I relied on, on society, when I relied on someone but not you. Maybe this would be a good time to say, Lord, I want to have encounter with you, when I can walk with you, when I can, when I can hear your voice, when I can know that this is you who's speaking and I will be willing to sacrifice my life. He's willing and He will do a new thing. Come on, can we lift our hands into, in His presence? With your own words, begin to express your heart right now. With your own words, begin to express. He's there. He's right next to you right now. You don't have to wait for, for something special. You don't have to wait for goosebumps. You don't have to wait for, for emotions. All you need to do is believe that He is there. He's there next to you right now. He is there standing and He's waiting for your response. Come on, let your spirit. Come on, begin to pray. Begin to express everything that you have in your heart. Begin to, begin to say everything that you have in your heart. Yes, Jesus. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Pray, pray, pray. right now in His presence. In this worship time, just 
Give it all. Give it all. Give your family to Him. Give, give your work. Give your business. Everything that you possess. Just, just give it to Him. Let Him be in control of our life, of our family, of our kids. Let Him be in control of our church like never before. Like never before. I want to open an altar for those that you, you find yourself in a place that you need a support. You find yourself in a place where you, you say, it's, it's been hard for me. It's been, it's, it's been not an easy season more than welcome to come forward and we're gonna pray with you we're gonna minister to you if you never received Christ as your Lord and Savior this is a perfect time Bible says this is the day of salvation when you hear the voice this is the day of salvation because tomorrow is not in our control everything that we plan tomorrow it's not an in control it's not up to us what's gonna happen tomorrow no Today is the day when we need breakthrough. Today is the day when you need a healing. Today is the day when you need a salvation. Today is that day. And we're not going to wait till tomorrow. We're going we're gonna to pursue Him today. We're going to go after Him today. We're going to be thirsty for Him today. We're not going to wait for tomorrow. We're not going to wait for a special conference. We're not going to wait for that. No, it's today. He's standing by our door and He's knocking. And He said, will you open? Will you let me in? Will you want to have encounter and fellowship with me? Come on, let's pray. Lift your hands right now. Let's worship. Let's worship. Hold on, wait.